1: Hello and welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host Alejandro Rojas and I have with me Martin UFO Dude Willis. Wow, I feel gratitude for
2: that. Oh, you like Thank being a UFO dude? Yeah, you know, maybe more privately than, you know, out there in my uh, field of, uh, of what I normally do. Oh, that's a good question, because so, you you do uh,
1: antiques uh, appraisals, which is, yes. of course, and so you go into these literally multi-million dollar mansions, or at times these homes filled with historic artifacts collected by millionaires. I know you can't reveal some of these people, probably billionaires in some cases. So that's kind of an interesting group. So, and then here you are, the closet UFO dude. Has it ever <laughs> been an issue? Have you ever like been outed or had an embarrassing UFO moment?
2: I have well, I did mention um on my show at one point, i I had a I did have a very, very well uh, suited job. It was a part-time job with really high pay and uh, for what I was doing. and uh, only three days a week, and basically representing a, a major auction house. And uh, um, I heard rumor after they, it's really the only time in my entire life that I've ever been let go <laughs> of a mm. job ever. And uh, and it was just, say, they just said that there wasn't enough business and there was a layoff type of situation. Anyway, um, so I found out through a colleague that worked there afterwards, they said, Um, In a roundabout way, you probably shouldn't have things out there on the Internet about you and your your other hobbies. Um, And I said UFOs. And they said, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. (laughs) Hmm. So I I, I can't say for sure if that is what happened. But I will tell you that um, a few times out there in the job, even in a couple of really nice homes, somehow I felt comfortable with the people there. And uh, said, I also do something pretty, you know, they said, you must really love what you do. And I do. I do really love what I do. And they said something, uh, I, well, I felt comfortable enough to say, well, I also do something rather esoteric. And that's the subject of UFOs. And I will tell you that uh, one person said they started to listen to my show. So uh contacted me said they're listening and they find it fascinating. And, and uh, so I don't think it always um, you know, is a negative thing out there, but I don't really talk about it in that, you know, in that field too much. Hmm.
1: Interesting. But, but you're you're kind of then uh, careful. You're like this double agent with a secret when you're going into these places.
2: I know. That's Whoa. right. <laughs> well, that's I, cool.
1: I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that so much, but um, yeah. So we have a good show. I should tell you who my guest is today. It is Ryan Sprague. Uh, you may recognize him if you saw the, uh, which I told you guys to watch. It was your homework to go watch, on the CW, uh, Roswell Mysteries Decoded, which is a show that I was a consultant uh, producer on. So I helped them, actually, I helped really kind of guide the the overall content, and um, Ryan was the host in it. So I had a part in getting to choose, you know, the, the talent. Uh, so that was really cool. So Ryan Sprague is in the show we're going to talk about. We actually got to do a lot of catching up uh, on some of We haven't, this is the first time we've talked after the show aired. So we get to talk about what we thought of the show, maybe things that uh, got left out that we thought were interesting. And in fact, you know, one big point for me was to get across the fact that Roswell was a cover up. We know this by fact. Mm. The airport has even, or the airport, the Air Force has even told us this in their first report on Roswell. It says in there that the the weather balloon was a cover up story. Uh, of course, they did not say it was aliens, so I'm not saying it was definitively aliens. But we know there was a cover up. Why is that important? because, you know, uh, people who believe in this cover-up or that there's some sort of conspiracy with Roswell are often ridiculed, even in the mainstream media. And it demonstrates how the Air Force often creates their own problem in the UFO topic and others when they are deceptive, uh, which, unfortunately, often they are. They feel often that um, it's easier, it's better to lie uh, to keep certain secrets than to tell the truth. And sometimes they may be lying to, to not necessarily cover up aliens, but it still creates this perception that there's some major secrets or something going on. So they kind of create their own problem. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's why I felt that was important, um, something important to show. And then two avenues of investigation, ongoing investigation in the Roswell case or the other things that we took a look at. And I feel that's important because just to show the case is not closed. There are still some avenues where discoveries, uh, potentially bombshell discoveries could be made. So uh, it's still an open case, and that's why it's relevant to this day because some people ask, I'm so here, tired of hearing about Roswell. What are we going <laughs> to hear about Roswell? Well, because something important could potentially be discovered at any moment. And uh, we show you on the show two areas of, of investigation
2: where that could be the case. So, Well Well, there's maybe only like one or two living uh, witnesses that yeah. are left at this point. You know, one of the questions I've always had about Roswell is after uh, Mac uh, Brazel found the debris, and uh, and why did the Army Air Force say anything at all <laughs> they could have just kept it quiet and you know the, for them to come out and say you know uh, disc uh, found or you know crash disc found or whatever it was the flying saucer why did they do that that is the biggest question mark i have about roswell i mean it doesn't make yeah. any sense
1: um, i think you make they a could have really just made good it point. go away yeah you mm. make a great point they created again their own problem But that's what's really compelling, because besides being a cover-up, they're the ones who released the press release that said, we found a flying disc. So why did they do that? Um, The person in charge was a colonel. I can't remember his name uh, right now. Blanchard, Colonel Blanchard at the base. Oh,
2: yeah. It -hmm. was
1: he who ordered the press officer to send out that press release. So uh some people have wondered, well, did he get in trouble for it? No, there's no indication that he got in trouble. Not only that, he continued on to have a very successful career and if I'm not mistaken, uh he actually retired a um general. So he um Yeah, so he was uh, an important person. In fact I'm I'm looking that up to um
2: yeah, William fat, Blanchard fat myself. Um. yeah, he actually, uh, yeah, I was trying to look for you too here. Um. Yeah, he retired a general. You're correct. Yeah. So, so inspector general. Advanced. That's, that is pretty, that's another curious thing. Isn't yeah. It?
1: So he didn't get in trouble for putting that out, even though it obviously it's causing him some headache. Now again, once again, you know, to, for, to remind people uh, the day after they released that press release, they released another one with these photos of, of, Roger Ramey, a general, um, yeah. his superior superior officer with uh, weather balloon material, and Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer who found the material, they took Photoshop, er, f- photos with this weather balloon, and that was sent to the press that oops, we made a mistake, it was just a weather balloon. And then the story was gone. And it wasn't a story until about 1980 when the first book came out. Then it started to become popular. So you know, uh, during that time is when Ban- Blanchard's career progressed, and so it didn't really wasn't a big problem for them at the time. But um, yeah, he didn't get in trouble for that, and uh, his career continued. So it, that's I think another really compelling part of the mystery. If that didn't happen, if they wouldn't have sent that s- sent that press release, really the, in the late seventies, it was Jesse Marcel's testimony that broke the story open. So it would still be a story. But it might not be as big of a story
2: now if that press release hadn't had happened, because that's a very that's right. compelling piece. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes it carry on. Mm-hmm. You know, when you can look back and actually see that. Yep. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. What do you
1: think? Aliens at Roswell? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Put me uh, on the spot. Wow, you really did. Um Aliens, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I've heard so many arguments um, yeah. and interesting ones, too, that I just I just don't know. You know, the part about the the caskets and the small bodies and stuff like that, all that stuff is really compelling if it's true.
1: Well, I have a story so, out about that, actually, that just came out, like, yesterday. This is related to the Roswell New Mexico television show, and so I wrote this for Den of Geek. And uh, saying, hey, you know, Roswell, this new show on CW is um, referring to real, you know, uh, aspects of the real UFO incident in Roswell. And essentially the gist of the story is how did Roswell get its alien reputation? So I look at why do people think there are aliens? Now we know why they think there's a crashed UFO, but what about this bodies thing? So I get into that. And I got to say, the alien stuff is much more dubious. Um, but there actually is a little bit of, of room for investigation there, too.
2: Mm. Well, you know, as as mentioned many times, the fact that the Air Force said later that um, it was crash test dummies, I mean, they could have just said no.
1: <laughs> they yeah. didn't
2: have to admit anything. And of course, the crash test dummies came out years later. They didn't even have them in 1947. And, uh, you know, it's just another situation where it's very, um, it's very obvious it's a Mm cover-up. Yeah, of something, what
1: we don't know. And Mm -hmm. we may never know. I think the records could be lost and gone. Uh, We may never get official records. That's why some scientific investigation or more forensic sorts of uh, investigation may prove to uh, be the avenue that, that shows us more. And that's Kind of what we we're showing in the show. So, yeah, people have to check that out. But why don't we go ahead and get into UFO news for the week. What do you got for
2: my buddy? Well, I think this is really interesting. And uh, this is about uh, Harry Reid. Um, yes. Yeah. And the title is Harry Reid is Pushing for More UFO Research. This is uh, um, on a website called Roll Call. and uh, And it is really interesting. So... Former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid is lobbying his former colleagues, he's retired, um, to uh, do more study of identified, unidentified flying objects. And here's a quote from him. I personally don't know if there exists little green men or other places. I kind of doubt that, but I do believe that the information we have indicates we should do a lot more study. Um, so uh, he also says uh, in another quote here. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that have seen the same thing, something in the sky. It moves a certain way. And, uh, this was, uh, uh from an interview on KNPR. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, actually this was, he was calling someone, uh, right after that. Um, he said he was going to call, um, a member of the Senate and an hour or two after this interview. And, uh, that um, he wanted them to actually really, uh, you know, look into this. And they speculate in this article that it might be um, the Senate Minority Whip uh, Richard J. Durbin, a Democrat from Illinois, um, and uh, he is the ranking member of the Defense Appropriation Subcommittee. So another quote here is, what we have found in the past is that these pilots, when they see something strange like this, they're prone not to report it for fear that the bosses will think something's wrong with them and they won't get a promotion he said so many times they don't say a word to anybody about these strange things good point huh isn't it i think that is an excellent point you know that's a point that i make all of
1: the time and you know it it kind of is counter to this argument of the grand conspiracy because what i find And I think what many others find when they actually talk to military witnesses is exactly what Harry Reid just said. You know, a lot of people are too shy. They don't want to report it. And uh, I think I've heard Mark D'Antonio uses this term. They log it and dog it, meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. make a note, but uh, forget about it. We won't do anything with it. And so... um, that makes a lot of sense. Even in this Nimitz report, this one that was leaked by George Knapp, that was uh, written by the military for the military, they talk about the extreme ridicule these pilots faced when they when they landed back aboard the uh, Nimitz aircraft carrier after essentially chasing a UFO. Um, I think it's you know this immature kind of macho thing that guys do. I mean, you're not going to see mm-hmm. people tease each other more than in police stations, fire stations, uh, in the military, and I think it's kind of it's kind of like a bonding thing for guys. But it gets kind of it gets to the point where when people are uncomfortable with stuff, they just kind of make fun of it as opposed to taking it seriously. And so you can see some people were very upset. Um, some of the pilots, even uh, from the ridicule they faced in the Nimitz thing, and so that's an example of. I don't want to face that kind of ridicule. I'm not saying anything, and I think that's what happens so much, which hampers this information gathering, and then limits the amount of information the government may have. Then, if they're not really getting good reporting, right? So yeah, you're
2: right. Very interesting. I listened recently to um, another David Fravers interview yeah. on a uh, on a fighters a. Uh, um, what's it called? Yeah, I'm trying like to remember fighter the fighter pilot blog. Yeah. Fighter pilots podcast. Mm-hmm. And so he was in a whole different forum, uh, talking about this sighting. He was talking to another, a, a pilot and, uh, that, you know, was totally skeptical of UFOs and it made for a very good interview. It was really interesting to listen to. And mm-hmm. he did talk a little bit about, uh, you know, more or less a locker room talk, um, about it afterwards. Um, but how many times he was contacted and um, and then, he, you know, the more recent contact that he has had. And um, um, since that article came out, you know, in December of last year, um, he has been c- contacted by everyone around the world. It's it's pretty crazy. His mailbox is full all the time and and uh, people call all the time. And yeah, so uh, a lot's changed for him yeah wow yeah that's pretty
1: cool pretty interesting yeah that that's uh and it's really cool that um these pilots had him on to talk about this yeah because uh i think it demonstrates what we do also hear over and over again is that pilots and people in aviation are very interested in the ufo phenomenon they just don't share it they don't they try to keep that kind of hidden for credibility issues and stuff. Again, the same issue, really. Um, yeah. So that really has a big effect.
2: And I think, you know, maybe we are seeing a slight change in that. I hope we are. And, uh, you know, maybe Harry Reid can actually help a little bit with that as well. If right. people listen to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope so as well.
1: And I got to uh, let people know just to plug it because I, I think it's a really good resource that, uh, you know, we have our Open Mind UFO news group on Facebook. It's a closed group, but you just have to ask to join and we'll join you. It's really close, so we can kick people out. And uh-huh. uh, But we don't do that arbitrarily just to kick people out that don't have a similar opinion. Uh, it's just people who are being mean, you know. That's not conducive to a good conversation. We just want to keep conversation flowing and more than welcome. And there's a lot of debate that goes on, um, including people who have different views than I do. But, uh, you know, as long as we can debate civilly, you know, whatever your view is, it's fair to have an opinion and um, to be respected for that and and to be able to discuss respectfully
2: and and disagree respectfully. So, yeah, I find it very good. Actually, there's some real thinkers on that uh, there are on that Facebook page hmm that's another big advantage is it's a good little think tank to
1: bounce things mm-hmm. against and right. uh, and it's fun topics like Lazar because there's so many people on either side and so you have these interesting discussions on either
2: side going on uh-huh so hmm. you got another story well I do, I do want to talk a little bit about something that came up on your on your Facebook Page that we're talking about, and that's a. Uh, this is from uh, filmmakers that uh, presented this on YouTube uh, raw footage, and it's titled "Raw Footage Finally Released of Exclusive Jaw Dropping UFO," and uh, it really is quite compelling. Is that the Utah and one? What's that? Is that the Utah one? Yeah, yes, yeah. Where it's, it and, seems
1: like uh,
2: it's Mark from Antonio. Oh, he Mark Dean Antonio uh-huh. being the great guy he is. Um, he actually came up with this really good, um, you know, explanation for it that huh. makes total sense, and that is, a hawk or a falcon is chasing a drone. <laughs> and um, huh. uh, I've had people contact me, and they they say, you know what, I've watched this thing for it three or four times, and I think Mark is right. He said, I really? hate to admit it, but Mark is right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's how I
1: feel every time, but you know, yeah. every time that's how it turns out. I I, that got been able to get him there's maybe one that i'm not so sure or no there there are a couple that i'm not so sure but for the vast majority it is like i hate to admit it but i think he's right i did not see that because i did comment on that and i said oh man i can't wait till till mark takes a look at this to see what he thinks because i thought it was interesting video and uh was curious because you definitely see an object zipping through and it makes a turn and uh it is a drone that is uh capturing this this footage so yeah that's an interesting possibility i think especially because this thing is small and towards the ground yeah not that
2: high in elevation right right uh this is uh, you know the the end of his conclusion here is um, as the object passes the camera, it would be fairly close to the camera. A hawk or falcon could be uh, missed until review, rather than easily. In other words, uh, the person filming may not have actually um, seen it at the time. Uh, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. at the very end, he says, "I'm not debunking here; just offering a cautionary note." But um, I do believe he's right on this one.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, interesting. You know, on the note, too, of um, the UFO group is there's a couple pieces, at least... Yeah, well, there's a couple things that you're going to find there um, that are not necessarily in the mainstream news. Although, one is. Uh, but this one's not. And, and this is the kind of thing you can find, too. Because mostly I try to stick to news items. I mean, it's called... That's what it's for. Um, but people do discuss mm-hmm. other things or post like videos that are interesting like that. But this mm-hmm. is a good one from... Um, the website UFO Scientific Research, uh, Keith Basterfield, and he's got this article, documents located from that 1955 secret UAP study by Douglas Aircraft Company. So this is very interesting, a UFO wow. um, investigation that was conducted by, by Douglas Aircraft mm-hmm. Company, and he's got a story on that with all the documents linked in there and uh, shown for you. So, yeah, this is really interesting. I haven't had a chance to go through it, but uh, I know he's a great researcher. And uh, so that's something you can find on there. And you can also find, I'm looking here through it, the uh, discussion where Larry King had... Bob Lazar and Jeremy Corbell on recently, so Larry King, you may not be aware, is still doing a show. I don't know if it's just YouTube based or
2: what? Uh, yeah I had he, no idea, yeah, until until I saw that, yeah that hes i I always liked his attitude about UFOs. he was mm-hmm. he really had a fascination with it, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So that also happened in the last
1: week. So there's always some interesting movement and some interesting things going on, huh? That's right. That's the world we live in today, sir. That is the world we live in. So uh, that's it for news, I guess, unless you have something else that you could talk about in about thirty seconds.
2: Uh, you know, nothing I can think of. Um, I did, I did watch the uh the movie that you have um, that you're talking about here, the Roswell. Um, what is it called? Decoded. Yeah, mysteries decoded. Mysteries decoded, and um, I thought it was pretty well done. It was very interesting, and cool. I found out some things. Uh, by watching it that i had not known before so it's definitely worth watching good if you haven't watched it yet that is
1: good to know that you learned something you didn't know because that's the whole point education well thank you so much for joining us martin
2: you're welcome as always sir
1: let's go ahead and take a short break and we'll be right back with our guest ryan sprague I am here with Ryan Sprague. He returns to the show. Hello, my friend. Alejandro, how's it going, man? It's going well. So we've actually been, because this is our first time being able to talk uh, post-show from the Roswell Mysteries Decoded. And so we just spent like 40 minutes. Yes, (laughs) I know.
0: I know we should have been recording, but uh, no. We'll uh, we'll leave that for the... uh, the
1: Patreon. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. Although some of that conversation was off, off the books, off the records.
0: Exactly. Yes, as it often is. But um, <laughs> no, it's been a whirlwind of a week. I can tell you that much, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we will. Uh, we'll get into that for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I guess first off, what's your overall impression? What is? Are you satisfied with the show? I'm very. Very satisfied. I mean, going into the project,
0: you know, which I have to tell your listeners was m- almost primarily due in part to you. You reached out to me and uh, said you had this amazing opportunity to work with, you know, a television network on something. And I'm always willing to do whatever I can to represent the UFO topic in a legitimate fashion and get it out to the mainstream. So I was super excited about it. Um, You know, Roswell is that that case, that carrot in front of us that always dangles. And I was ready to start running after it. I never thought I'd have that opportunity to really, really investigate Roswell. I thought I'd always be on the sidelines, armchair research doing it. So I was very excited when the opportunity came. You know, we did it. We did the investigation. Uh, it aired this past week. And I, I'm i extremely happy with it. Um, no matter what other people might think, like this was – a solid investigation uh we we didn't really know what we were getting into as many ufo researchers don't when they start looking at roswell and it was a wild ride and i think we're only
1: starting yeah i hope so and i think it's important for people to know too not to make excuses for the show because i think it, it doesn't even show actually is that there was an extremely short timeline that they had to shoot this so it was Um, only like a month or two. In fact, uh, you know, when did, when did you do the bulk of the shooting? So we did the bulk of the shooting (laughs) probably about a month ago. I'm not going to lie. And it's already Um, out. That's crazy.
0: It's insane. You know, some television projects you will last forever and you think it's never going to come out or you wait to hear from someone and three, four, five years pass, uh, this was lightning round UFO television. Uh, it was a marathon, man. I'm not going to lie. I, there were times where I never thought we were going to get it done. And that's not in part to the production company or the network. It was just how do you investigate Roswell, a 72-year-old case that has mystified people for so long? How do you do that in like a month mm-hmm. when, when you have to bring it to the network deliver it and say, here's what we got. So we tried our best. And like I said, for us, it's only the beginning. And I hope people enjoyed it. And I hope they want more because I'm certainly not done investigating Roswell. I, I feel like it's uh, it's only open Pentora's box for me.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things about this, which I love, is that the investigation was allowed to go wherever it would go. And some people might be thinking, well, of course, you know, all the shows do that. But they don't. They're usually full of it. They're usually scripted. And it's often the producer who's like, okay, here's how we want it to end. Before they even know uh, all of the information, then they massage it, usually fictionalizing (laughs) things, to like Hangar 1, the first season especially, to fit what they wanted to say, even if the facts don't align to that, which was f- so frustrating um especially with hangar 1 <laughs> sorry for bashing hangar 1 but I'm, <laughs> that's what it did I mean it, it unfortunately so but this show was not like that at all and you can tell obviously because the the conclusions weren't that conclusive they just lent us more mystery every person I have talked to who watched
0: it and reached out to me uh which I'm extremely appreciative of and willing to talk to anyone about what we did what didn't make it in what did make it in uh yeah everyone's like wait that's it like when's the next one and i keep telling them tell the cw tell cwc you want to if you want us to do more like we want to do that we've only begun and I you bring up a good point uh, not to bash on any other UFO television shows they are often very scripted it's scripted reality television no matter what anyone thinks every reality show you see on television has elements of script to it there has to be it's There needs to be an arc. There needs to be a story. There needs to be somewhere you're heading. Um, Otherwise, no one's going to really watch. That's just the
1: way our brains work and how life works, you know? But at least with this, the words especially, and even where the investigation was going was not scripted.
0: Exactly. We were never told, you know, this is what we're doing. We want this conclusion. No. No. We went along – I forgot the cameras were there most of the time, to be Mm. honest, man. I mean, so in terms of that, yes, we knew – we were going to be talking to certain people. Like, that's just the way it is. You need to schedule things. You need to uh, negotiate with people about what they want to talk about, what they don't want to talk about. And sometimes that changes even when you start filming. We had some revelations that we weren't planning on covering that, that happened while filming. And again, this I have to point out Morningstar Entertainment, who produced this show, they were... Amazing and gave us so much space to explore and do what we do best, and that's investigate. And they kind of just
1: step back and let the cameras roll and see what would come out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first, because I got to, I, I'm a consulting producer for the show, so essentially I got to direct the original investigation. And there were three elements I wanted to demonstrate prove this was a cover up, but also look at two areas where there is ongoing investigation to show why roswell is relevant why because some people are like it's so old why do we keep talking about it well there's still investigation that can be done so we look at these potential metals and i think that's a great part of the show now they're educated about how there could be scraps out there that might be analyzed and prove that you know there was a uh, something mysterious out there, and then that photo analysis. Some people are aware that General ramey the general uh, ahead of, of essentially that the Roswell Army Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas, they took some press photos with this alleged with the weather balloon, which was not what they found in the desert, but they were saying it was, mm-hmm. and he's holding this memo. And I think that over time, you know, the more we examine that memo, it might be at least even the show got into there's some weird stuff in there. So it's another avenue of investigation that hopefully will bear some fruit in the future. I think so. I mean, for,
0: in terms of the memo, the Raimi memo, we're, we're definitely not done with that. We're definitely not done with these materials that Frank has brought to us. Uh, we still have tests that need to be done. Uh, for anyone who may have not seen the show, uh, you can still see it right now. It's streaming for free on uh, the CWC shameless plug. But that being said, we're not done. And that's that's all I can tell people is – There's so much to still be tested. We want to go back to the site with Frank. And if people don't know sort of how that all came about, Frank is a geologist in Roswell. He was able to sort of triangulate where he claims the actual Roswell crash site is. And that's a big part of our show too. There's so much contention where the actual thing happened. I mean, there's 50 different places where people claim this happened. But Frank brought forth very convinced convincing data to us of where this happened I know a lot of people have been out to the you know the placard the memorial out there in Roswell that says you know this is where something crashed in 1947 and people go there and they say okay cool and they drive away that being said the actual crash site is like a hundred miles from that memorial so we were able to actually go out to where Frank believes this happened and where he found the medals and that was a big moment for me, stepping on what could be the actual place
1: where this thing made impact and crashed and was eventually covered up. hmm So, yeah, so there, I mean, and that, there's a scene where you all are in Frank's lab, and he's using, I don't even understand the technology. That blew my mind. He's <laughs> using some kind of thing that can demonstrate what water will do I didn't get it. It looked like some futuristic, like something you'd see in Star Wars 3D um, hologram type of deal. What was that thing? Yeah.
0: So it was basically, in the simplest of terms, it's like an augmented reality sandbox. Um, this is wow. you know pretty leading technology right now where you're able to basically program algorithms that can determine... What would happen when you do certain things with weather conditions? I mean, Frank is a earth scientist, a geologist. So he has this algorithm set up where he can determine where rainfall is going to occur in Roswell um, or across the world. He even does this in terms of like seismic activity with with earthquakes. It's astounding what you're able to do with this technology. So he implemented his work into investigating Roswell. He was able to use uh, satellite imagery photos of of this area in Roswell to triangulate where the crash happened. And he put that into the augmented system and was able to determine like certain rainfall and where it would land in that area of the crash site. So what did he do? He found where the rainfall was. He went out to that area, and that's when he started digging and metal detecting and actually found
1: materials. It's astounding to me. Mm-hmm. Really cool, and the show was put together so shortly and everything that there was only one real test that was able to be done uh regarding like what the metal was made up of and uh that he found and it essentially showed these metallurgists weren't able to really add anything to the mystery, but um they in that you know they were able to essentially it just means that more studies have to be done. Um, yes the the case was not closed on that one um nor on the photo uh however i think that the show without getting into details, so people watch the show uh from jennifer's perspective the other host we should probably talk about her um Mm -hmm. you know some pretty interesting and compelling information that even she as someone who looked at it for the first time could see
0: Yes, Jennifer, my investigative partner in this, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better partner, to be honest. You know, when I first met her, you know, Navy veteran, investigator, uh, you know, certified and done things that uh, just blew my mind when I heard about it. I was very intimidated. Like, here I am, this, like... Little ufologist going out there, excited and giddy to investigate. Roswell. And you are
1: little, little compared to her. She's very tall. <laughs> oh
0: my God! Yeah, a lot of people pointed that out. Yeah, I'm like uh, Tom Cruise. They got to put me <laughs> on like a a wooden crate or something next time. But um, she's a tall woman too. So obviously, uh, I was a little intimidated when they brought her in, and and she is a skeptic. Which is essential for a UFO show no matter what anyone says we need them and I'm very skeptical myself And you know, I was worried when this project first came about They were gonna paint me as the crazy ufologist like he believes everything's alien And for anyone who knows me or listens to my show or anything. They know that's not true Uh, The extraterrestrial hypothesis is one option when it comes to ufos one that's it so i was very happy that they didn't paint me that way uh again i trust the production company and the network to not do that and uh yeah it was great to have those debates with jennifer throughout the investigation and
1: both of our perspectives changed drastically throughout the investigation Mm mm-hmm and and so it was a good back and forth. I mean, she was a good skeptic in that she uh, she came across very well as credible uh, and curious and open to, um, you know, discovering things. And uh, so... That's what I like about the show, and I, I mean, uh, people may or may not, I people have heard me complain, and, and heard me complain with other people on the show about doing television, how you never know what, what you're going to turn up with, or come up with, and, and we'll talk about our own criticisms, uh, what we felt maybe could have been done better, because of course we do think that, but overall, uh, to have a, a company that's willing to do the investigation, and then let it let the the chips fall where they may um is really it's rare to find so morningstar uh, is great in that respect
0: i'd have to agree again you and i and everyone else are the biggest critics when it comes to entertainment mixing with ufology and i completely understand that but my only argument to that is The entertainment industry has resources that a lot of us UFO researchers don't have access to things we don't. So if we can work in tandem with them and keep it as factual as possible, that's all we can really ask for. So if a TV opportunity comes about and says, we want you to go to the Roswell crash site, what am I going to say? No, I'm not going to go out there. Of course I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to fight and struggle to keep things as authentic as I possibly can. When it comes down to editing and what makes it onto t v that has absolutely nothing to do with me, unfortunately, but
1: I was very satisfied with the overall product, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. What are you bummed that didn't make it what was was there anything missing
0: yeah i mean there's there's always you know people don't realize it was a like forty five minute special or something. We probably shot ugh, I can't even tell you how much footage we actually shot, things that didn't make it in. That's just the way it goes. But, you know, there are several things that I noticed didn't make it in that I was kind of bummed about. Uh, I don't blame anyone for it. There were We went to the Roswell UFO Museum, the International UFO Museum, which was, you know, the mecca for me, obviously. We filmed the endless amounts of files they have there. I wish had made it in. It's astounding uh there were affidavits signed affidavits by officers that really stunned me that i personally had never read uh one was from an officer who was on the plane that brought the wreckage you know shipped it over and what i found really compelling about that one that i stressed was while the plane was in the air with the wreckage the photo op was being done with Jesse Marcel,
1: mm-hmm. with the
0: weather balloon mm-hmm. materials. So again, you know, where was everything shipped in bit and parcel, and some of it didn't make it there for the photo op? Possibly, but I found it very interesting that most of the wreckage was still in the air while this, what we've pretty much proved was a staged photo op. Occurred so that one really blew my mind and showed me there's definitely a cover up going on here,
1: uh, and that's was- not surprising and it's frustrating because we know that happened. Like if you read Rupelt's book, the 1952 incident in in uh, Washington DC where famously uh, General Sanford came out and said uh, gave his uh, analysis of what happened, he made that announcement. Before, without even asking the status of the investigation, um, mm-hmm. so it was an example, another example where they don't care what the investigation, where the investigation is going. They want to tell the public uh, how to feel about this uh, before it, with regardless, which exactly. is frustrating, which demonstrates deception. It's deception, and it's you know, it's the.
0: It's the Condon Committee and it's the Robertson panel. Yeah. Uh and you know, this was kind of an earlier inception of that. And the cover up is there and it's vast and it's big. And, you know, we talked to Barbara at the Roswell Daily Record, the um current owner, and I was bummed because we interviewed her, her you know members of her family were in the military said they were involved with this were part of recovery teams and uh they were never told what they were cleaning up just to clean it up which is very interesting one of the things i'm super bummed didn't make it in is everyone knows the roswell daily record headline you know the RAAF captures disc in roswell region um retracted the next day what a lot of people don't know is there was another newspaper in roswell at the time that actually covered this before the roswell daily record so while the roswell daily record headline was given to them by the military we've learned uh and then retracted the next day there were other newspapers covering the roswell event it wasn't just the roswell daily record so that blew my mind too
1: yeah it that is. there were papers out there yeah Hmm. that is funny so, uh, yeah, that is unfortunate. It didn't make it in, and and there were other things. So, for instance, the cover up. Uh, you know, I did a little um, YouTube live the day after the show aired, just so I could solidify our point. Because when yeah. I met, what I meant by proving this is a cover up, and and why I, w- I love to do that is to justify people's um, suspicions. Because there was a cover up, so and we can't, you know, the Air Force in in that sense kind of created their own problem. How do we know this? If you go to the Roswell report, the the Air Force came out with a report about Roswell. By the way, it's a ridiculous investigation. I'm even (laughs) skeptic. I'm not one who's like a big Roswell believer. I don't know what happened out there, but this investigation was a joke. They didn't even talk to primary witnesses. But they did talk to this scientist with Project Mogul who said, yeah, it probably was Project Mogul uh, weather bl- or, you know, balloon device. But he said, what's in those photos that the general is holding is a common weather balloon. That's not Project Mogul. And he said, it looked like General Ramey came up with a cover story. And then the report goes on to say that it does look like Jane Noel Ramey for some reason. It essentially said, we don't know why Ramey created a cover story um, mm-hmm. for Mogul. Uh, so right there, it shows that it's, it was a cover-up. And then we have DuBose, because you talked about affidavits, and he's got an affidavit out and a yep. video where he talks about this. He says, yeah, the weather balloon was not what uh, Marcel brought back. Um, no. So there was a cover-up. He, he says, I don't know what they brought back. but So that's the other aspect that I think is important there. It's a genuine cover-up. It's a genuine cover-up.
0: And also what we found in the Roswell paper uh, that a lot of people didn't know about either is that members, superiors in Roswell flew directly to the White House to meet with Truman the day after the military recovered these things. So why? Why? It was a little blurb Hmm. in the newspaper, like three or four sentences, you know, superiors go to meet with uh, Truman. So clearly, whatever crashed out there was not just a weather balloon. Am I saying it was an alien craft? No, I'm not. I'm saying whatever it was, was highly classified. They struggled to really contain this story from the very beginning and I think you know, we sort of definitively proved that The cover-up has lasted for this long. Mogul is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I even bring up, that did not make it into the show as well, that uh, the person who made the manual for Project Mogul was mad that they used his manual (laughs) as a reason for a UFO story. So even the person who wrote the manual on Mogul says, no, that is not what it was and that was brought up to me by james clarkson really so i have him to thank for that as well
1: i did not know that
0: yeah so i think he passed away a couple years ago we wanted to try to get him until we did some digging and found out he he had passed away which is very unfortunate but that's the problem with roswell anyone directly involved even with the cover-up aspect uh or investigating the cover-up they're gone at
1: this point which is very frustrating the show made it seem as though you do believe that Roswell was most likely an alien spacecraft. But you weren't alone. I mean, uh Frank Kimbler with the medals, he believed that. Uh Barbara Bush, I think, essentially believed le- believes that. Um is that true? Do you think that's probably what it was?
0: Oh man. <laughs> it, this is this is my problem when it comes to preconceived notions before an investigation. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a really long time, yes, I I wanted, as the X-Files tells us, to believe that this, this could be alien. And I'm still very... Very open to that possibility, especially when it comes to the body 's aspect to all this, which we we briefly touch on in the special, but want to go much further into uh, Jennifer brought up a good point in our special too is you can 't let your belief cloud your judgment when it comes to the investigation. And that's what you're taught when you become an investigator. So I learned a lot going into this that whatever I believed prior had absolutely nothing to do with what we were doing in that moment. You go where the evidence leads you, and that's what we did. And that's why in this special, we didn't conclude that it was aliens. Is it? Possibly. We're not done. We're simply not done. We have so many people we still want to talk to, and uh, we want to get back out there to the crash site for sure
1: all right well we've got to go to break uh we'll be right back for those of you listening on the podcast you'll hear a short musical interlude for the rest of you you'll hear a commercial break and we'll be back with ryan sprague uh one of the hosts of roswell mysteries decoded be right back Welcome back to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host Alejandro Rojas, and I'm here with my good buddy Ryan Sprague. And you were just talking about how the the bodies we didn't really get into in in the show, um, but it's something that uh, I know they even talking with them recently. They said, you know, one thing that we'd like to explore is the the bodies uh, aspect if we do Roswell go more going forward, and interesting enough, I just got a story posted today on Den of Geek. In fact, I'm looking at the link for the very first time right now on how Roswell, New Mexico gained its alien reputation. So I wrote a story. Essentially, it was in relation to the Roswell, New Mexico TV show that's coming out. Um, But I wrote this story. How did it get its Alien Reputation in the First Place for Den of Geek, and then they created a little video on it, so you can read all about that. So, you can guess that this article will be helping to guide any of our future investigations.
0: I can't wait to read them, that, man. That's super exciting. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the whole body's aspect is something, uh, you know, we... I've always been a little hesitant on and that was probably clouded by that horrible alien autopsy thing that came out in the early 90s, which again, these things really taint the Roswell investigation. Mm -hmm. And you have to fight and, you know, get your dig your way out of those things. The Roswell slides, all these things that, that just disinform the public and uh, make it harder for us to really dig into that. But that being said, I mean Barbara again at the Roswell Daily Record told us that she spoke to many people about this whole idea of uh, uh, Glenn Dennis who who was the employee at the funeral home in Roswell and the whole story behind him and being asked if he had four foot you know ch- child sized caskets in stock when the Roswell incident happened. And he asked why. Why do you need four child-sized caskets? I would know if, if you know, some sort of accident happened here in Roswell, and someone needed these. And they told me he didn't have a need to know for that. So, it's interesting, man. Why they would need those? Uh, why do you need to bury bodies uh,
1: that were part of a weather balloon? <laughs> crash? Yeah, and although. I, I, I don't know. He's been a bit discredited in that he said he spoke to a nurse who saw the alien autopsy and explained the aliens to him. He was didn't want to give her a name. He promised he hadn't. He was eventually pressured to do it and uh, then later admitted he lied to investigators uh, about this person's name. So that has kind of taken him a bit off the radar, although UFO researchers Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, I guess, have talked to some of his Friends and colleagues who said, oh, yeah, I remember him telling us that in the 40s. We thought he was joking. So that may be an avenue of investigation to figure out, did he actually say that to people, you know, before Roswell became famous? So that'll be interesting to look into.
0: Absolutely. Again, like there's so many avenues to go down with this and testimony from people. And it's just it's amazing. The thing I've learned is just when you think you. (laughs) You have an answer to something; it changes in a heartbeat, or you find out, like, nope, that was discredited, or this or that. Um, and that's just Roswell. And yeah, uh, I, I knew that going into it. Uh, I didn't know how difficult it was actually going to be to track down leads and to do all that. But that I'm look, I'm new to all this. I, I've never looked into Roswell this deep before, so I'm yeah. excited, and it's a I tough know. One. It's tough, man, and I want to be taken to task when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. If there's something you saw in the special or you've heard me say that you know for fact isn't true, tell me. And, and I will do my best to uh to redeem that in terms of our investigation. That I'm totally open to that.
1: Yeah, I um I'm so I'm still on the fence with Roswell, which is saying a good thing. I haven't closed the book in that. I don't know what it was out there. In fact, I'm still open to the potential that it was mogul, but um because um, I think there's some information out there that shows that that's, a possi- that's possible, but I don't know. It's really hard. It's a genuine mystery, and it was a real cover-up. Speaking of feedback, though, how has the feedback been? Um, Has it been positive? And if you had any negative feedback, what was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, overall, the the response has been extremely positive, and I, I I'm very happy about that. Again, what I try to stress to people is this is – new territory for the cw network who who is airing the show and um supported our entire endeavor their their audience is very young first of all and we had to keep that in mind when going into this is we're for some people this is a new case to them for a new generation they knew nothing about roswell before this so Some of the negative feedback, I would say, is, uh, oh, we we knew all this already. Like, there's nothing new. I completely understand that. If you're a veteran researcher, or you've read books on Roswell, yeah, we had to introduce people to this case before we really started digging into our own personal investigation. So the only negative feedback I've really gotten is there was too much uh, history about Roswell. Well, I personally think that's essential before you move forward with the investigation. Uh, You know, there were a few other comments I saw that people um, reached out to me and said, oh, you're scientific... Uh, investigation of the metals wasn't done properly, or this or that, and all I could tell them is, look, when it comes to science, budget has a lot to do with that, and that goes for the scientists as well. Uh, you're under budgetary constraints when it comes to how much you can actually do and with a access. scientific investigation and access. Yeah, we you, were,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we were even lucky, Alejandro. I'm sorry to jump on you. No, here, no. Here. We were lucky to even get a lab to look at possible UFO materials. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to go to a lab exactly. and say, We think we have crash materials from a UFO. Nobody wants to be involved with that. Mm-hmm. We went to so many labs who said, Sorry, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. We were able to get one of the most prominent labs in Los Angeles who work with extremely prominent aerospace people who I won't name, but I'm sure that's pretty obvious. Um, and to get them to do this. And that was a hard negotiation to do. I can't tell you how hard it actually was to get them to do this. But they did it. They gave us their findings. And that's kind of where we're left. But Mm -hmm. they're metallurgists. And some of the materials we have aren't just metal. There were other things found, and that's what's really fascinating and stuff we still have to look at and investigate.
1: Yeah, you make a number of really great points there uh, to um, defend, you know, for those people, those critics, because granted, the critics are absolutely correct. The only new thing which is, uh, the only new thing that this show added to the investigation was another analysis of Frank's material. Um, But that is a more difficult thing and a bigger achievement, I think, than people realize just because of the what you just outlined. Budget and access. Getting a lab to do this is hard, so you're kind of stuck with what you got. So those critics who, granted, have a valid argument – you know, maybe this isn't the best test to have done first or whatever. It's the only test we had access to do. So it was better than nothing, and it's all we got. So at least we were able to get some new analysis. And if you know, if you've heard, because we broke the story at OpenMinds.tv about Frank's materials. Right. And um, if you've listened to our many interviews with him, it's really, really hard to get this analysis done. So I, I'm, I think it's really cool that we got that done. And when they came out with the results, did you know, like, in that scene when they were giving you the results, was that genuinely actually the first time you heard them? Yes. Yes, It seemed like it, too. It didn't seem... I know that... um, I think it'd be hard for you to act... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, that no. kind of. Uh, that's that's the good thing about this entire project is I was
0: never told what I was told where we were going, who we were going to talk to, you know, sort of like what we wanted to get out of that part of the investigation. But no, no, I had no idea what the results were going to be, and they wanted my initial reaction to that, and of course I was bummed. Like I wanted something. So, in terms of Frank's materials, Alejandro, you know, because you, again, you guys were the first to break the story, when he got materials tested before, it came back with a high, high percentage of a certain element, molybdenum, that is extremely rare and shouldn't be in metals uh, at that time period, if you are to, like, carbon date something, and uh, that was what was really fascinating. We're like, whoa. That's really unusual. Let's get it tested and see if we find the same thing. And as you see in the special, our results were not exactly the same as this other lab. So you have conflicting uh, conflicting things there when it comes to scientific investigation. Not every lab is going to come up with the same thing. Did we want it to? Of course. Did I want to think this was from outer space or from a alien spacecraft? Yeah, that would have been amazing, both for us, for the world, and for television. To be honest, yeah. but. When the results came back, you saw my real reaction to it, and I think that's what's good about this special, is we're not pushing a narrative. We're not saying this was alien. We're going in and doing a real investigation, no matter where that leads us and what the answers are,
1: whether we like them or not. Mm-hmm, which is great. So, yeah, so I, I do agree that is a that it is a valid criticism that, you know, there's not a lot of new stuff that's added in this. However... Uh, what I really think uh, came out really well was, well, and I think that, uh, I'm going to back up a minute actually, because I think that the proving that this is a cover up is actually something that I never hear anybody talking about. The only person I hear talking, I've seen talk about it, is Kevin Randall, but I don't think people know that the Air Force's own investigation proves that there was a cover up. So I'm, yeah. I'm, He's proud that we kind of got that out there too.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think you know that's kind of where we're left at this point is there was a cover up. Everyone agrees at this point in terms of the people we interviewed and the testimony we've come across and the continued research we've done. so now that we know there's a cover up, now we can start to really press people and try to find out. uh will we? I don't know it's been seventy two years so far. Maybe, but at the end of the day, I think we definitively proved the cover up with your involvement, with everyone else's. And now I'm excited to start digging. A little nervous, a little scared. <laughs> when you start digging, you can be uh, pretty sure that that there are going to be people who don't want you to be doing that. So, the yeah. other. Th- if you don't
1: hear from me tomorrow, the, yeah. that's why. <laughs> we'll know why. They got him. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I can I can see that with people, but uh, the other real big benefit is kind of the other thing that you said, which is this demographic is not your typical demographic. Young women, um, most people who like read Open Minds or watch these shows, because I know because we look at the demographics, are. Men and mostly older men, like in their 50s and 60s, surprisingly. I think that's counter to what a lot of people think. But there are, it is getting to be more younger, but a lot of younger men. So getting to this demographic, I think, is really important. And I think it shared in a very um, relatable way some very credible information as to why people believe Roswell's a mystery. So I think it was a great piece. For people who don't know much about Roswell, like those uh, CW viewers, um, to know more about why it's a a valid kind of open investigation.
0: Yes. And I mean, another thing that we can't shy away from is this roswell mysteries decoded is running in tandem with the reimagining of the roswell show roswell new mexico Mm -hmm. and that that was done purposefully we're not denying that in any way shape or form our show exists because of roswell new mexico this upcoming show and they they did that for a reason And they wanted people to learn the real story about Roswell before they go watch a dramatized fictional version of it, which I think is very responsible. Not only that, I mean, there was a press event for Roswell, New Mexico a few days ago here in Los Angeles, and they invited me to come and do a presentation on Roswell before the cast came up and talked about their experiences on set and to, you know publicize their show and i thought that was great that the cw that network is awesome again new territory for them uh to have a ufo researcher come and sh- tell the genuine story about what happened in roswell before the show that people are going to see uh involves a ufo crash and then everything after that is completely imaginative so I love it. I think it's great that they did that. Uh, I was very honored, a uh, little nervous to do it, but the reception was amazing. I had so many press people come up to me after and be like, whoa, that was so cool. Like, I'm going to go look into Roswell now. And that's all we could ask for at this point.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yep, yep. I, I agree. So one of the things that happened in the show also is that you shared a personal UFO sighting. Yes. Sounds like a pretty cool one too.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I was terrified, but really, <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was. Did interesting. you share it? Yeah. So, I mean, I talked about this in my book. I talked about it on interviews prior to the television series. I did have a UFO sighting when I was twelve years old, uh, in upstate New York. I was fishing, I saw a triangular formation of lights in the sky, uh, I did not see a solid craft, but I did see, you know, that sort of prototypical three white lights, kind of like hazy red light in the middle, and silent, drifted over the water, I was fishing at night, my dad came out and actually saw this thing as it, like, headed towards Canada, we were right on the border of Canada and the United States off the St. Lawrence River, and uh, I was really scared. I didn't sleep at all that night. My dad and I went to the, you know, the hotel owner where we were staying at a hotel and asked if anyone had reported anything. He said no. Um, but then we did some digging. I, I actually reached out to the FAA and asked them like, uh, what was going on out there? And they couldn't tell us anything. They said they didn't have anything out there. So I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know what truly I experienced that night, but it scared the living hell out of me.
1: Really, it terrified you, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had nightmares forever after that. Wow. And,
1: and what uh, kind of? Night- mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, just the the object. I mean, just like hovering above me. That that just it was ingrained in my mind wow. still today. Uh, what I felt. That's that's actually more than like how big was it? How, what was the distance? It was how it made me feel. I, I just, I was frozen there. I could barely talk. It took me like forever to like squeal to my dad to come out and actually like see the tail end of this thing. And, uh, that's what I really remembered. And that obviously led to like, in obsession, started taking out books. Coincidentally, the first book on UFOs I ever read was Crash at Corona. Wow. Stan Friedman, Dodd Berliner. So, yeah, it really did send me on this path. And I, I didn't talk about it for a really long time. I even denied it at a lot of times, too, when people asked me if I had a sighting. Even like early on when I got into all this, I denied in interviews that I ever had a UFO sighting. And that, that's on me. And that's why did you deny it early on? I denied it early on because as I got deeper into it and I started researching and people were actually listening to me, which I, yeah. I <laughs> which is a big thing, you know. Mm-hmm. That that puts pressure on that people are actually like taking what you have to say seriously and um and I I felt Like, if I had a UFO sighting and talked about it, no one would take me seriously. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, oh, he's just another one of these people. Like, of course he's going to... He's going to be saying all this. So I flat out denied that I had a sighting. And then I came forward when I was in college, started telling people about it, friends, family, and everything like that. And then I got eventually started writing about it and started talking about it then. Um, But yeah, when I started doing interviews really early on, I I said I didn't have a UFO sighting. And that was the wrong thing to do. And I fully admit that.
1: Well, you know, uh, supposedly Heineck did the same thing. Yeah. Jay Allen yes. Heineck, that he had a signing that he would not share because he, the same exact reasons you wouldn't, because he was afraid of it hurting his credibility. Right. And I struggled with that for a while.
0: I mean, I even remember telling someone like, oh, my God, I'm like Fife Simonton. I like <laughs> <laughs> I I sort of denied it. it happened, and then I came forward and admitted it did. So, mm-hmm. No. I fully embrace my UFO sighting now. It, I was nervous because the real big time I came out with it was in my book. And once it's out there, as I told everyone in my book, it's out there. And people can judge you and they can ridicule you or believe you. Uh, that's up to them at mm-hmm. that point. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I kick myself so much for for being so naive when I first started out and all this. But if if I'm going to ask people to come forward – And trust them to tell their UFO story. I have to do the same. Or Mm -hmm. else
1: I'm just like everyone else. So, See, I love it. I think it's interesting because it it shows there's a number of reasons, you know, why not to share this sort of thing. And um, a lot of people feel similar. And uh, so it's interesting to understand, you know, what influenced people. And to know that, you know, there are tons of people. There are probably, you and I probably have quite a few listeners who are the type of people who don't share their sightings uh with their loved ones or people at work or people they know because they're embarrassed to um yeah. and maybe they don't even share that they listen to UFO podcasts and stuff i mean that <laughs> that that happens it does and you know just the ufo topic in
0: general i mean i can't tell you how many second dates i lost because i brought up i was a ufo researcher really (laughs) let alone bringing up that i had my own ufo sighting i can't even imagine at that point
1: yeah um, that's funny because i think that happened to me too but luckily uh i was i I was able to date inside the UFO community a bit, but uh, I think that happened. Although I was always hesitant to say that had to be it because it could have been something else, and I always felt I'm just making excuses. But uh,
0: exactly, no, but you that's know, hilarious. I feel like the more confident you are, and the more you embrace something, yeah. I think most human beings can relate to that, yeah. and. That that's what they want. So yeah, I'm loud and proud now, man. Like yeah. my sighting changed my life. And it's led me on the path I am today. And uh, what it was, I may never know. But that's part of this whole journey. We may never know. But I, I like the journey more than whatever the
1: destination might be. I could tell you that much. I guess well, and on something personal, like of course, because my girlfriend, my lifetime partner, uh, is into this. She owns a freaking UFO Congress. But uh, <laughs> what about your current, the current love of your life, who I know you're deeply in love with, and uh, <laughs> uh, and she's good with all this stuff.
0: Yes, uh, I was very fortunate when we first started talking. Um, Again, I, I I was out and proud at that point, so I just told her <laughs> flat out. I'm like, uh, I'm a UFO researcher. I this is my life when I'm not we met at my job in New York City and I told her, When I'm not doing this, you're gonna find me on my computer digging, interviewing people, this, that, this, that. And uh the first thing she said after I told her was What's up with UFOs and nuclear military bases? And right there, man, I knew I was in. <laughs> that was that
1: moment. And yep. yep.
0: Birds chirping, yeah. you know, hauling oats playing in the background. It was yeah. great.
1: <laughs> That's sweet. That's so funny. That's awesome. Well, I yeah. guess to wrap up, because we're out of time. What is uh, in, in store for you? So you've got Somewhere in the Skies that people could check out your successful, great podcast. And then you've got another couple podcasts you're on. I think, are you on Unknown? I keep seeing that you're doing something like with Jason McClellan. Yep. And I'm not sure who else is involved with that. So you can enlighten us.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. When I'm not doing Somewhere in the Skies, I uh, I hop over onto Unknown with Jason McClellan, Maureen Ellsbury and Shane Hurd uh, whenever possible. I love uh, Shane.
1: He lives out wait. here, too.
0: He's incredible. I just had him on my show a couple weeks ago and he is a MUFON field investigator and he brought up some really compelling cases that I'd never heard of. Um and so I definitely suggest people check that out, check out his work as well. Uh yeah, we, we love it. It's it's like a little family over there of weirdos and we just talk about strange stuff, mostly UFOs. So uh yeah, when I'm not doing somewhere in the skies, I can be found over at rogueplanet.tv uh other than that man i'm looking forward to seeing you at alien con in los oh, angeles yeah.
1: <laughs> that's going to be fun and i'm going to actually work on uh i haven't sent the email yet but i talked to morningstar about it work on doing a panel we should since we're both going to be speakers at alien con and in, in los angeles and of course lots of the people we worked with on the show are in los angeles um hopefully we could do a panel that would alien be amazing con. yeah, yeah. the show that'd be cool
0: Work side by side with our uh, ancient
1: aliens buddies and uh, Project Blue Book. (laughs) Yeah, because people, you know, Project Blue Book has a big presence and ancient aliens because they're um, both history. Yep, yep. Exactly. So
0: yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, I hope we get to do that. And I'll be giving talks. Uh, I think they're going to have me doing experiencer sessions again, you know, uh, where people come in, tell their Mm. UFO sightings or stories. I am not a therapist. I make that very clear. Um, I just want to hear stories. I'm I'm not there to conclude what happened to you, or to uh, put you under hypnosis or anything like that. Um, but we tried it at this last AlienCon in Baltimore. Uh, we thought maybe a few people would show up. The room was packed to capacity by the yeah. time we finished, and people were begging for more of them. So I'm sure that'll happen. Uh,
1: other than that, it's just such a good time. So I'm really looking forward to that in June. All right, great. And hopefully it would be really cool um, to have you back at the Congress, uh, because you used to be one of our best volunteers before you made it big, and then you became one of our speakers.
0: Oh, gosh, stop. No, I, I would give anything to come back and work sound, clean the floors, stack chairs, whatever you need me to do, man, you know how much I love working with you guys and uh, volunteering, because that's why we're all doing this. You know, we all want to work together to find answers. And a lot of these conferences are where you find those answers. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for the future, both for the Congress, and uh, whatever comes next.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Always a pleasure and honor. Thank you so much to Ryan Sprague for joining us on the show. It's always a great pleasure to have him. And he did a great job with the television show, uh, Roswell Mysteries Decoded. So I hope you watch this. You can watch it for free on the CWC. If you follow me on my social media, you'll find links to that. You can find it on my Patreon, my Facebook, all over the place, Twitter. Um, but yeah, check that out. You can check it out for free online or on their app or Roku. You can get the CW seed app and lots of their free shows. So check that out and let us know what you think. Also on my YouTube page. And I want people to know some of you may have been looking for my uh, UFO seriously live show that is now on my personal YouTube page, the Alejandro advantage. You'll find links to that, on uh my social media as well but uh essentially just look up alejandro advantage on youtube and you'll find me there or uh the name of the show or whatever at- Because I have a couple videos there. One video that I have there is the Roswell cover-up explained. And essentially, this is where I go over the documents to prove that, hey, we were saying cover-up so much in this Roswell show because there is a cover-up. And it's proven. And here are the government documents that prove that. So that's just a short YouTube video um, covering that cover-up. Portion, And then also to read my articles. So Den of Geek, I've got How Roswell, New Mexico Gained Its Alien Reputation. So information about that. And then I have a couple other Blue Book articles that came out recently, uh, a spoiler uh, free review. So I talk about, you know, what the show's like and I'd love to hear your input, so read that if you get a chance, and then also an interview with Michael Malarkey. Some of you might have heard my audio interview with him that I posted on YouTube, but this interview is actually uh, more lengthy because it's a, it's a, uh, more information that is compiled and kind of how he feels about UFOs and how that working on the show really opened his mind. He is a character, by the way, that plays Captain Quinn, the Air Force guy, on History's Project Blue Book. So, yeah, check some of that out. As far as the UFO Congress goes, we're getting new products on the store all the time. We just got a new batch of those levitating UFOs, so a lot of people like to see that in the background on my YouTube live shows. And uh, if you want one of those, just go to the UFO Congress store We're getting lots of orders because I made this cool little gif last week that I tweeted and stuff, and that generated some response. So if you want one soon, jump in there and grab it because uh, we're probably going to have to order some more. This has just been a really popular product, as well as these 3D alien lamps that we have. So we got some cool stuff there. If you like Open Minds, you can, of course, uh, on YouTube... And on the Patreon, you'll be able to find links to Open Minds as well. So I want to thank you all again for listening to the show. I want to thank Ryan Sprague for being a guest. Uh, Once again, he did a great job. Uh, So did Jennifer Marshall. It was wonderful working with him. Frank Kimbler. uh, Kevin Randall actually lent us a little bit of help on the show. Uh, We worked with Denise Marcel, Barbara Beck from the Roswell Daily Record. Lots of really cool people that we got to talk to on the show. And then some of the cast or the crew over at Morningstar. They're great. So, Uh, We look forward to having a strong partner with Open Minds with them and doing more work together, so keep an eye out for that. And, of course, I'll update you here. I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music and systematics for the bumper music. And finally, I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have another exciting show next week. Until then... Adios, muchachos.